Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. You know it's time to check your bank account when you're too afraid to check your bank account. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend Andrew. Andrew, how are you? And what are you drinking, dude? Dude, just same a, beer? No, no, no. Different beer. Higher no Cincinnati beer. Oh, well, it's getting later in the day. Yeah. And uh, we have to go out later, so I have to explicitly not get drunk. So that's why this one's 9.5% and not like (laughs) (laughs) 9.8%. Whatever hour it is, that's what the ABV should be. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So right now it should be, or wait, no, what what is it, 5.30 for you right now? Yeah. That's still session territory. You're getting ahead of yourself. See, I drink to military time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good joke, actually. <laughs> uh, I'm actually drinking closer to military time than you are right now. What do you have? I am enjoying some uh, Ardbeg 10-year Isle Scotch. Ooh. The peatiest, I mean, maybe not the peatiest scotch, but one of the peatiest scotches. What does peaty mean? Is that like someone's name? If you don't know what like, like a peat taste, like P-E-A-T, do you drink scotch at all? That's still pita? No, I, I, I drink scotch, whiskey. They taste all right. Good. So like you have a bourbon, right? Mm. A bourbon's got kind of like maybe like a caramely, semi-sweetish sweet taste kind mm. of. Yeah. Peat tastes more like burnt tree moss and like earthy. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh. So a lot of people are not that into it because you don't get that sweetness that you get with like bourbon. Mm. Um, but I love it. Like for me, the peatier, the better. And a lot of people don't like IPAs. Laura says they taste like flowers. I can't stand IPAs. Uh, they don't taste like flowers. They just taste like bitter and awful. But then again, <laughs> you, you know what? Hmm. Um, it's ironic. We moved to Denver, which is like the beer capital of everywhere. And I just I'm not liking beer so much anymore. Like every time we go out every Wednesday, we go to a brewery for a board game night that they do. And um, I always get cider. Hey, it's just I'm becoming a not really a beer fan. It's weird. It's I don't know what it is. It is. I, you know, there's plenty of other weird shit I can drink. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Motor oil, you know, all sorts of stuff. Pond scum. Anyway, we got five questions today. And uh, Andrew, you're going to make me do a lot of reading. Yeah. That, was that your goal here? Because there's like paragraphs. <laughs> well, you're like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back in one to 20 minutes. And I was like cutting it down. <laughs> uh, I, I I tried. I, I, try. I gave it like a good five minute effort. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, because I have a lot to read, let's just get into these questions. Mm. So first question, uh, and that, there's no names here. So this question comes from um, Kathy. We'll just say, <laughs> uh, I say looking for some advice around a 401k loan. Oh, are we ready to open this can of worms again? Always. <laughs> I went back and listened to your show around this and I'm still not quite sure what to do. Is it smart to take out a significant loan from my 401k for any of the following? One, buying my first rental property. Two, making updates on my current home that I live in. Or three, using it to buy conservative individual stocks that have good returns and dividends historically. So before we get into the individual bullet points that Kathy listed out here, Uh um, can you recap, like, why is it that people hate the idea of 401k loans? And why is it that you disagree with all the hate? It's been a while. 
So, um, oh my God, the, the pressure. So a 401k loan is essentially a loan from yourself. And yep. people uh, don't like the loan because when you take the loan out, you are not making gains on the equities that are in your 401k for however much you take the loan out uh, from. Mm-hmm. And also, if you take a loan out from your 401k, and quit your job, get fired from your job, whatever. You have something like 60 or 90 days to repay the loan or you get a severe penalty. It's basically like withdrawing from your 401k. So you should only consider a 401k loan if one, uh, it's, from my thought, it's it's an investment or a very short-term cash move. And two, uh, you plan to, you have like, you're like 90% certain that you will be in your job, you know, and that 10% is like, I don't know, some weird thing, like Maine sinks into the ocean or something. So based on that blanket piece of advice, it's like a hard no on all three of these, right? So this person's basically asking like, can I take a loan from my 401k to make long-term investments? Which doesn't really make sense. I guess the other thing that I'd say is like, historically we've always said, only well, invest in your 401k up to the matching limit. Okay. So, uh, I, I think that maybe then I phrased it wrong is, so I'll tell you what I've used a 401k loan for. Okay. And you know, people can judge if they think this makes sense. Um, when I went to go buy my first place, I, I think we needed like, I don't know, $60,000 or something like that to make the 20% down payment. And so we got like exactly whatever that number was. And then the bank was like, hey, you you need actually this much money, like 10% more or whatever in order to to get the property because they don't want you to get the property and then not have any money to eat, the default. And so we wound up uh, taking money out of our, borrowing money from our 401k to close a transaction and then we paid it back. Uh, again, okay. we did So it. it was a short-term move, and you knew you could pay back that loan very quickly. Exactly. And then again, we did it before we sold our place to renovate the kitchen, and then we were able to make 100 on the sale, So, but we you know, paid back that loan. And then finally, uh, we took a little bit out uh, for a rental property, which we then paid back. You, you so you did take some for rental property. It wasn't it wasn't full, and we didn't go up to the max of fifty percent, but we did use it okay. to get a rental property, and um, so, and I forget your question before, but I think that uh, my question was, is it a hard no for all of these things? Because it's sounding like every time you've taken money out of your 401k, it was with the expectation that you were going to pay it back pretty quickly. Yeah. So I guess now that you've clarified that, uh, the second option that this person said, making updates on the current home I live in, I suppose that could be a potential if they were planning on selling their home very soon and the upgrades were um, very likely to increase the value and the sale price. But otherwise, these all seem like long-term things where it's pretty risky to take money out of your 401k jobs aren't, you know, set in stone. Mm. So I would say you can't really expect a company to be super loyal to you for a really long time. So I really wouldn't be taking money out to do like long-term investments. I I absolutely agree with you. So to, for number three, using it to buy conservative individual stocks, good returns. Like I think that's just like not a good choice. You're, you're talking about like, 
interest arbitrage versus return. You know, like, but yeah. next year we could enter a recession and it could just be the worst decision ever, right? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I wouldn't. Making be updates on your that. home, I would say, uh, only if you were looking to sell or rent or something that would be investment like minded and you were planning on moving soon on it. Yeah. So that you could replenish the loan quickly. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't buying, have an outstanding 401k loan for a long time. Yes, exactly. Like, and absolutely I, not. Like, uh, so I have it through Fidelity, and because uh, they they're like the custodians of my 401k, and I think mm-hmm. I could set the term up to like three years. You know, and you could do that to reduce a payment, but like honestly, it should be a year or less that you pay it back. It's like yeah. a, it's like quick cash access. I wouldn't look for it as like a long term. So okay. potentially the rental property. And also I just want to clarify, you said only contribute to the 401k up to matching. That's my personal belief because I just want to take right. the free money and then invest it in like my business, whatever. But if you follow the mad scientist and he's all about tax arbitrage, he's like mm-hmm. max that shit, you know, max anything that can reduce your taxable income. So yeah, I would say at least get the maximum matching. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're interested in any sort of 401k stuff, it might be a good idea to go listen to the episode we did on it. And then there are a lot of comments mm. on that episode. And uh, we had a lot of very good discussions. On the I 401k up, like, loan, you're saying? Yeah, on the yeah, 401k yeah. loan episode. I ended up like reading scientific research papers about the risks and benefits and all kinds of stuff. And like there were all of these crazy arguments and I think a lot of it boiled down to like, how do we communicate on a mass scale or how does, how do you set policy for a lot of people mm-hmm. versus how do you give advice to an individual investor who knows what they're getting into and is smart. And I think you, you've always taken like the second path where it's like, I'm, I'm providing my experiences and advice to people who I assume will make the same level headed decisions research. that I have, who will do the research, you know, and I'm always more. I'm always more concerned with like, what is everyone hearing this going to think? <laughs> Look, at the end of the <laughs> Which day, I think is good. If, if you are stupid and you're just going to do stupid things, like doesn't really matter what we say. But yeah. I would like to believe that, you know, if you're listening, you want to improve your finances and you're going to try and make smart decisions. And yeah. uh, so it's really for you to judge and, and we can kind of like guide you to water. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of individual stocks before we move on, I am 11.6% up on mine. (laughs) What did you buy? I bought United when all the media crap was going on and everyone was pissed at United. I was like, yeah, they're going to rebound from that. And they definitely have. They're like, uh, $10 higher than they were at the low point of that. So (laughs) that's nice. So this is 11% in how long? Like a month basically? So my United return is 15.11% over like total return. And I think I bought them. Uh, I don't remember when I bought them. Not it was that about long. a month ago or so. Yeah. My, my Robin hood return thing, uh, it just passed a month history. So it was about a month ago that I set up my Robin hood account. I actually and love then, that you did that. Cause I did the same thing for Tesla. And when people are acting like psychopaths and just like, being dramatic. Oh, and they had like that one fire. Yeah. Well, it's like, like all like the internal combustion engine cars, like they're bursting in flames all day, but nobody cares. And exactly. like one Tesla catches on fire. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the math didn't work out. So like when people are being dramatic, I always buy that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the other one is just like this really tiny pharmaceutical company that um, my friend is really interested in. And I was like, let's just test your your hunch. That sounds uh, scary. I was like, I was just like, let's just test what you think. Well, yeah, but they were a penny stock. So I put like 40 bucks into them. Oh, OK. So like if I lose everything, I'm I'm out a few drinks. Mm. But so I was just I was just like, let's just see like what your theories uh, turn out to do. You know, so I thought so, it'd be fun. So so if they do go bankrupt and you lose your forty dollars, does that mean at your next board game event at the brewery you're drinking apple juice? <laughs> uh, no, I think I will just not miss that money. Mm. But I mean, I think that's like the kind of the kind of the thing that we've always tried to communicate about individual stocks. Like, if you're gonna do it, number one, do your freaking research. But number yeah. two. Uh, make sure that it's not so significant that it could wipe you out. Like I've got way, 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 way more in my mutual funds than I do in individual stocks. I've got, I've, I've put 250 bucks of my own money into Robinhood. And look like, so we were talking about like United, you did good. I did good with Tesla back with the fires. I also bought lending club cause I was like, yeah, lending club's like awesome. And then I don't know the CEO like <laughs> did some stupid shit and it's basically worthless now. So I, I lost like 1500, but it's, it's a very small amount like as well that I put into individuals. Yeah. So it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. You have to be willing to pay the price. And I'm not sitting around like looking for where to put more money in individual stocks. It was more just like Your United plan. seemed like too good of an opportunity to pass up just not to really like make a bunch of money, but just to like prove proof of concept psychology is weird and people are really bad at judging the value of something long term. Yeah. And I have been proven right so far. Um, but because I would get like 30 bucks back if I sold it, I'm just going to hold on to it mm. and see what happens just for funsies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, let's move on to the second question here. Cool. This question starts. Uh, my question today is about saving versus debt reduction versus side hustle money. My partner and I live in Brooklyn. I make about $53,000 a year. My partner makes about 75000 on top of that. We keep separate accounts and we have a shared account for rent and living expenses. Now, I put $1,400 a month into that shared account. And out of that joint account is where we pull money for our joint Betterment House savings account as well. I've also got student debt totaling forty two grand, and I pay my monthly minimum payments automatically. That was actually a very specific number. He wrote $42,537.13. Yeah, but I'm abridging mm. because, well, hey, who knows? Maybe somebody out there is like, I really wanted to know how many you know, exactly. individual dollars. I must know. It's like crazy OCD. Anyway, <laughs> I'm 39 years old and have only the small amount of money that is in my Betterment account. If I hadn't started listening to you, I might not have a budget, still be in credit card debt and have no savings. So it's a start, but I feel behind the eight ball here. I need to make more money. I'm an intelligent, college-educated man living in NYC, and I make shit for money. So I want to start a side hustle. My question is, should I spend some money to start that side hustle? Or, or should I just dip, hit my debt with the avalanche slash snowball slash stack method, whatever, or throw it all into embetterment because my student loan interest rates are fairly low or a combination of all three? There's no guarantee that my side hustle will make any money, though, so I'm a bit apprehensive about that. So, yeah, I guess – so what it all boils down to is I have very little money, a lot of debt. What do I do? Pay off that debt as fast as possible, save more and betterment, or invest a bit into a side hustle. Can I guess you, what you're going to say? Yes, go ahead and guess. 
I, I actually don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, okay. Now you're just going to contradict me anyways. I think you're going to say, you're gonna, you would say, you want to say in the core of your being, invest in video producing equipment so you can create a YouTube channel. <laughs> That's not what I want to say at all. If Okay. Thoughts on YouTube channels and content businesses. Um, no, no, no. What, hand, what would you say? Like, where should they put one, their money? I don't know. Because so on one hand, like, I think building an audience is a good idea before building a business because it allows you to like have an audience for your product. But if you need to make money quickly, this person didn't tell us what their skill set was, mm. and because of that, we don't have a co- uh, enough context to know the likelihood of their success in a side hustle and how much of an investment it would take based on what they're going to do. Cause if this person knows how to do web development and all they need to invest in is like, I don't know, a copy of Photoshop to do the layouts and, um, maybe like sublime text or Coda or something. Cause they don't want to code in notepad. Like, yeah, do that. Um, check this but out. I guess we can if, you're 42, like, if you have $42,000 in debt, you have a fixed monthly cost for debt. And um, you could definitely invest in, in all these things and your student loan rate is low, blah, blah, blah. But I think that unless kind of to your point where if like, you you know, you need just a little bit to become a better dev, whatever, like I think it would be um, like inappropriate for you to spend and lose money knowing that you have like if you were to spend 10000 trying to make a cupcake factory or something mm. – you know, you, I don't know. These kind of questions where it's like, do I go with door A, B, and C? It's always tough because we don't have all of the information. We don't have context. I don't know if this $42,000 in student debt is federal. I don't know if it's private. And therefore, I don't know what kind of forgiveness options, deferment, income-based repayment plans. I don't know what their options are for that if their business venture tanks and they're not making enough money. Um I'll tell you what, Listen Money Matters took less than $5,000 in the first year of running. And a lot of that you was mean like me. To, to start? Yeah. And, and honestly, okay. a lot of that was I was doing well at the time and I was just kind of throwing it to see if it might stick. And I was, I was hoping for like this almost like cheat code to success. And I could tell mm. you that I now truly to the core believe that is not a thing. So you could, you could honestly do this you could create listen i don't know butter matters and i'd listen to that part <laughs> yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah, yeah seriously two fans right here that's like two hundred dollars in the first year to run so you could do that if that and then pay your debt down yeah i mean so pay with your time not your money i guess the the gist is we can't give you an answer here but take into account what is the cost? What is the startup cost of your side hustle venture? If you even know what you want to do, what are your skills and likelihood of getting clients or making sales in the short term? Um, and and then I guess what is what is the spread between the debt and the Betterment account? So this is something. And actually, you know what? I can get your feedback on this. Well, I've been working on like an investing guide for beginners for College Info Geek mm-hmm. because I don't have that on the site yet, and. Part in the uh, part of the article says, "This is my thought on debt acceleration versus investing and just paying off your debt at the minimum." I think you should have at least a two percent spread between your debt interest rate and what you make in the market on average. Mm. 
which means if we assume a 7% return in the, in the market, if you have debt under 5%, then depending on your risk tolerance and what you care about having debt, like if it you know, doesn't eat at the core of your being, mm. then yeah, maybe pay your minimums and do a little bit of investing. If you have anything over 5%, I say accelerate and pay that debt off before you start investing after you've, of course, uh, established an emergency fund and all that good stuff. Mm. I so, like that. Context, context, context. Yes. Is all I can say here. And I, so, so definitely context, context, context. But I love that you put like the spread in there. Uh, mm. I, think, I think that's like a pretty strong rule of thumb. And, you know, uh, I think it's worth saying that based on your age is maybe where the max risk threshold slider sits. If you think of like how mm. Betterment does a risk slider. So, yeah, you know, true. you're like you're 20. Your risk slider should be at like 100 percent or like damn close to that because you have such a long time horizon until you retire. Like you could just mess up a thousand times over. Hang gliding every day. If you're 39 years old, like maybe the max risk threshold is 85. You know what I mean? 85%. Yeah. And so uh, I like that. Um, And also, I just want to try something real quick. There's a a guy that I'm thinking about. What's his? uh, He he was an interview on the podcast and he said this thing. He said this thing and he's a guy. He, you, you well, were that able to, narrows it down. You, you were able to pick his name out before. Are you thinking of Doug McCormick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your family's <laughs> a business, all that kind of stuff. I wanted, I wanted to like try and see how many. <laughs> if I'm just like, I'm thinking of this name, Douglas McCormick. Let me just uh, list off every guest we've ever interviewed <laughs> on the pod. You know uh, what, Andrew? That reminds me. I do not know how many episodes of Listen Money Matters there are. <laughs> like 11 billion numbers so i have no clue we could have a thousand we could have 400 i don't know we have like over 700 like quote-unquote creations so okay articles but the point of with douglas mccormick is he uh said and i really like that that uh for most people the biggest value is in your labor and so uh for you and you want to you know if you want to do a side hustle um and we're gonna we're gonna cut this conversation short, but you should invest your time, and that's how listen money matters was a thing. And for any amount of money that I spent, I am sure Thomas spent one tenth of that building College Info Geek because he's a frugal Ten mother. Bucks. Exactly, he because Thomas invested his time, and I think that most <laughs> successful people have just really invested their time, and so. Pay down the debt or invest is, I feel, separate a separate question because you have to sweat it out first. Yep. Also, bonus mm-hmm. tip. Between you and your spouse, you make, what is it, $53,128,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And if you make shit money now, why not move to friggin' St. Louis? Oh, my you God. Know, something like that. Dude. Like if, I mean, obviously, you probably take a pay cut, but like the cost of living, if you're making shit money and you're tired of like not having enough money, you know, I, I've tried to convince you to move out to Iowa or Denver yeah. or whatever because I know you wanted to quit your job or an LMM. And I'm like, yeah, living in Hoboken, New Jersey, paying what you pay is definitely not getting you any closer to that. No. Now, LMM has done really freaking well in the last six months or so. So, I mean, you have been able to do it the rate of my gray hairs has been accelerating yeah (laughs) i mean all i'm saying is like it was pretty damn easy for me to go full-time on my business in iowa when i was living with roommates and my personal expenses were literally 700 dollars a month versus 
what you and Laura pay for personal expenses per month, which is probably over four or five K. Yes. In, let's, let's say that is four or five K. I'm saying like, like survival level. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'm sure you guys spend more than that. Cause you laughed when we had a hundred dollar bill for sushi between four people. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty that's funny. It. <laughs> Laura and I have joked about that multiple times since I was like, wow, we should always eat with Thomas. We'll save I so know, much right? money. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, even in Denver, Anna and I go out, and I'm just like, man, 50 bucks? It's so expensive. <laughs> anyway, enough rambling on that hmm. question. Let's move on. Um, but do, do think about your location. I'm not telling you you have to move out of Brooklyn. Perhaps you love it with all your soul, in which hmm. case, stay there. But it's something to think about. Question three has links. Do I want to look at those? The, or are those, you those are for but, reference. Oh, just for reference. Yeah, okay, cool. for us. So, oh, there's a name here. Uh Chia. It's a cool name. Or chai. Maybe you transposed it. Maybe we got asked a question by a type of tea. <laughs> anyway. Hi, Andrew and Thomas. I am currently working my way up listening to your episodes, so I'm not sure if you guys have talked about this uh, in a different episode, but I'm referring to the two-step process of a Roth IRA, recharacterization and conversion. Um, but I'm unaware that this was a loophole. So, Let's see. What is it? Can I suggest can, an episode? Can you suggest? I think you suggest an episode on loopholes that are legal and why anyone would do it. I also have one question. Wait, wait. Let's let's answer that real quick. Okay. Listenwhatmatters.com/slash/backdoor-ira or go to the website and just search "mad scientist." We did. Uh, yeah. We did two episodes with him. We went into the weeds then threw it into the jungle. We swam to the depths of the ocean and I don't even know. Like we went to like, there was backdoor strategies, mega backdoor horse race. Uh, like I'm telling you, it's, it is ridiculous. And when you listen to it, your head will be spinning. Uh, but there's so much meat in there. Like I don't even want to reiterate Today, because we, we won't do it justice. The 15-step ultra Optimus Prime Megatron backside <laughs> dark side of the moon crazy back tour up the butthole Kentucky Derby IRA flip flop strategy, which only I know about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, Mad Scientist episode definitely a good thing to talk about. Um, also, I don't know when this episode is going live in relation to when the previous one we just recorded is going live, mm. but. The one on real estate uh, tax optimization strategies has a pretty good quote unquote loophole. Not really a loophole, but interesting LLC hack. That is that an excellent tease. At. Because I actually yeah. think I told him it was going live in June, but I don't oh, think it's going. Oh, is going live? No, this, this, oh, you don't this is going to be the next episode that goes okay. live, and that one's going to be. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so that was so, a yeah, great tease. Cool hacks coming. I'm a good marketer when I don't know I'm marketing. <laughs> anyway, this first is a real question. I currently have $70,000 in student loans with interest rates between 5.15 and 6.16%. Interesting. And uh, I'm currently making $3,500 of monthly payments to it. It's a lot of debt payments. Mm. If I refinance with SoFi, I would get 4.99%, which didn't seem like too big of a difference to me. So should I not refinance my loans or do you think 4.99% is still worth it. Um, as good as I'm going to guess that her, her loans are, or actually seventy thousand. That might be not all federal, but I don't know if SoFi has an initiation fee. I don't think they do. I don't think that they so. Do. I guess 
you would tech, I mean, I guess like a, a percent, like, you know, what is it? 1.17% on the, on the high end spread is decent. Over $70,000. Over $70,000. That could be substantial. But the thing I want to point out right now is that SoFi does afford you certain protections mm. with your loans that most private loan uh, originators are not going to give you, but they're still not as ironclad and not as good as the federal government's protections. Mm. So I personally would not give up the protections I get with federal loans for 1.17%. Do, do you think they could enumerate those protections in like 60 seconds? Just, just I could, yeah, or, like, like what, why, why, I guess, what is so great about the federal loan? Let me, uh, we just did a podcast on this, um, on CIG. So if, if anyone's really curious, where is it? Well, we did an episode that- three weeks ago called how to pay off student loan debt, like a guru ninja rock star, because we had to throw that guru ninja <laughs> thing in there. <laughs> uh, but I had Martin like locked in the basement doing research on this shit for hours. Mm-hmm. So all of that is is described in that episode, but to give it to you in like 30 seconds, with federal student loans, you have the option to do all, all different types of like income-based repayment plans. So pay as you earn, where it's like really low at the start and it gets higher as you earn more, mm. or you know, all sorts of different schemes. Um, there's like forgiveness plans where like you pay your debt for 10 years and then the rest of the balance is forgiven. That's for like public there's, servants. Yeah, there's public servant stuff. Um, there's there's deferment. There's all sorts of like protections that you have available so to you. Essentially, uh, what you need to do is you need to go listen to that episode if this applies to you, yeah. um, and then see which of these things apply to you. Because I'll tell you, for one, I am not. A, let's, let's imagine I had seventy thousand in personal student loan debt. One, I am not a teacher. I am not blah 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 public servant. So that doesn't apply to me. Well, to, anybody has the income based stuff available to them. But I, I likely earn more than would qualify for the yeah, income-based thing. And so like as like you enumerate through the list, for me personally, I would not qualify for any of those protections. So I would go and You might do so- it? Yeah. Like I'll tell you what. If you sign up for SoFi, they give you two, like $200 isn't a big amount over the 70000 But if you have yeah. 10000 you get $200, whatever. They give you $200. They are like – the best student loan refinancing private yeah. company. Yep. That said, they're also the most restrictive of who they accept. So it's they're very easy. selective. It's very easy to get, you know, Andrew's student loan finance refinancing program. So, so is the hardest. So if like you don't need. <laughs> What's Andrew's? <laughs> I break your legs if you don't pay. <laughs> Refinance with me. 20% a year. It's great. Great deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, look. I think that based on the math, you should absolutely do it if it was 0.5% better, right? I mean, you're, you're still saving money, but I think that you should first check, listen to Thomas's episode, make sure that none of those uh, things apply, you know, for the federal benefits. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I, the big thing is just like, I don't want people giving up their protections for a very small amount. Um, but of course, like it's all individual. And if you determine that your situation is, you know, suitably secure enough, then yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Mm. Um, just be, be very careful with that kind of a thing. That, that That's like the, any kind of refinancing question, it always comes back to what are you losing in terms of protections Yeah. and not with SoFi, but say with lending club, you always have to take into account that origination fee on the lending club loan. Mm. 
because there's an interest rate they give you a lending club. But there's also a flat fee you pay. And, and a never, lot of people don't factor that in to an effective interest rate, which could end up being higher than your original debt. That is an excellent point. Uh, that's actually a really good point. And I, I don't think that we've maybe mentioned that. We have that. talked about that. Yes, okay. we have. Maybe, maybe not enough. But, but yes, that's an excellent point. But I also want to say that uh, you would do something like that for credit card debt. Please, please never refinance your student loan debt with Lending Club. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, you're not going to get a good interest rate with Lending Club. Like, go with a dedicated student loan refinancing company because they're going to give you a better interest rate. Like, you would use Lending Club to refinance credit card debt because that yeah. is so punitively high. Yep. You know, and Lending Club will give you the best rate in comparison there. Anyways. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Question four. This is from this is from Richie Rich, actually. Like the kid. <laughs> He's still stuck in Mount Rushmore trying to get away from the bad guys, but he had time to email us this question. I'm honored that we could help someone who has Rich in their name. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My name is Richie Rich. I'm a twenty six year old guy currently renting an apartment in northern Illinois. My question pertains to buying my first home and what the smartest way to go about it is. So traditionally, everyone knows that 20% down threshold is the norm, And uh, but what if I could afford to pay more or even all of the home off, which is 120 k or less, in cash right now? Now, all the home would be a stretch for me, but financially, I could do it. And on the other end, I understand the value of having cash on hand for other investments, um, not counting my IRAs if things come up in the future. A few other important notes to get the bigger picture. I live with my girlfriend right now, but she doesn't have the money now to put into a home. She's a PhD student, and I would rather do this solo for the time being. And because of this, we will be living in our area for a minimum of three more years. After that, I'd like to rent it out, start my own, or wait, I would like to rent it out to start on my first investment property when we do plan on moving out. No plans for kids in the immediate future. Okay, so to boil this down, this dude has a lot of cash in the bank. Mm. His girlfriend doesn't make a whole lot of money because she's a student and they're planning on grabbing a home and living there for at least three years, then renting it out. Mm. So that does change things because that makes this a potential rent, uh, investment property in a few years. So he's got the cash on hand to pay for it totally up front if he wanted to. The first thing that I'm reminded of is um, one of my ex-girlfriends, the one I had when I was like a sophomore in college, uh, her parents actually put down 60% down payment. Uh, they're very, very frugal people, and that made their mortgage quite small. Uh, really, the big thing here is what is your tolerance for having debt? Mm. Because um, the rate of interest on a mortgage is always going to be lower than the average you can get in the market. That's just like, mortgage rates are really low. That's just kind of like the iron law right there. Mm. So if you want to maximize the the work that your cash can do for you, then pay the minimum down payment so you're not paying PMI. Then invest whatever you are comfortable with investing from what's left over into the market. Mm. That's what that will maximize your returns over time. And even when you rent your your house out. Yes, you still have your mortgage, but now your renters are essentially covering your mortgage for you, and hopefully there's some left over for you to make a profit. And then you still have money in the market that's making extra returns for you. If you hate the idea of debt and it just burns at the core of your being, then sure, pay off your house in cash. But all things being equal, if you want a house, then the weird thing is, as long as you are going to be a smart investor with the leftover money and not squander it away, like debt is smarter. Mm. 
Right. So um, the the uh, the core of your answer, actually, everything you said is pretty much what I believe in and, and how I feel. But I want to add a few things on top. So so I completely agree with with you. One, the the guy is twenty six years old, uh, so he should be similar to our question before. Uh, you should you should be taking risks. I mean, like you really have to. And uh, if you don't, you're just going to pay the price when you're like 50, 60 or never retired. So you should be taking risks. Um, yes, if you pay it all down, you pay no interest. And so, yes, the house is cheaper if uh, you um, just pay it all in cash. However, there are still costs associated with it. So you still pay something. And as Thomas said, debt is super cheap when it comes to mortgages. But what I would say is like you want to do this and convert it to a rental property. Who doesn't want to convert the home that they live into a rental property? Sounds fantastic. You should probably do the math first and make sure mm. that uh, it, it, like like if you're buying this home for hundred twenty thousand in cash, but the neighborhood uh, the property only rent for two hundred a month. That sounds like a True. shitty deal. Probably yeah, not that the good case. thing to bring up. So because uh, if ca- this guy's renting an apartment and looking at his first home, he might well have not learned a whole lot about rental property investing yet. Mm. And you can go over to ProDellasMoneyMatters.com and learn all you want. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, this wasn't thrown in there for that, but you probably should go there. But the the point is, I is got like, you, boo. You got you got fourteen days. Go do your analysis for free. Figure it out. Uh, like if it even makes sense. Right, because like uh, maybe it doesn't, then you'll have a different approach. Or if it's like wildly profitable, maybe you only live there for one year. I don't know. Yeah. Let the numbers guide you. Okay. So to boil that down, for the main question, ask yourself what's your debt tolerance? And taking the mortgage will maximize your returns most likely, as long as, I don't know, the country doesn't crash and burn or something. Um, <laughs> But on the rental property question, do your research on the specific property you're looking at. And we've got a whole rental property series we can link to in the show notes. Um, we've got that tool that I mentioned so somewhat cheekily, but it is there. In, and in make summary, an informed decision on that. I just want to say, in summary, listenmymatters.com slash SoFi. Pro.listenmoneymatters.com. Listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> did, you, did you say listenmoneymatters.com slash Tupac? I will now have to make that a URL as well. You will, yeah. That now made, that I said it, now it's that's gotta going, be something. I'll tell you what, that's gonna redirect to Money Predator. <laughs> and, and if you've been Which to Money redirects- <laughs> don't ruin it for them, Thomas. Don't ruin it. <laughs> what does it redirect to? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get into this last question. Uh, so this is from uh, Steve from Blues Clothes, actually. Hmm. It, nice of him to write us. Hey, Andrew, I just started listening to your show about a week ago, and so I'm still back in the 2015 episodes, but I just want you guys to know that you have opened my eyes so much, and I'm finally having my money work for me. My situation is this. I'm 25, and my wife is 23. We just bought our first house out here in California about three months ago, and we put 60000 down. We have 8000 in student loans and no credit card debt. We also have one car that we owe $13,000 on. Our monthly expenses are about 2700 bucks. And after the down payment, we still have about 55,000 saved. Uh, my, I guess my question is what steps do I do or do I start making to reach my goal of wanting to retire at 45? How do I start making my money, make me the most money while still being safe? So 
I guess the question is, we, we didn't get how much they owe on the house still. We know how much they put down. So we know they've got $8,000 in student loans, $13,000 in car debt, and we don't know how much they owe on their mortgage. So We also don't know how much he's making per month. All we know is he's got $55,000 saved. The, the great thing is, is that the math is super simple. And because they apparently haven't listened to any of the past, like, I don't know, 20 years of our episodes, I'll just say, go to- Doing this that long? Podcasting since I was five years old? I'm older than I look. I would say, I'm making the the tremendous hands. So so you just go to networthify.com. There is a calculator there. So it's Mm -hmm. literally like networthify.com slash calculator slash early retirement. And essentially, how long it will take you to retire is determined by your savings rate. So- Um, if you want to retire in, it sounds like 20 years, you need to save about 42% of your income. So it doesn't matter any of your debt, any of whatever you have. If you can cover all your expenses and your debt and save 42% of your income after all of that, then you'll retire in 20 years. And what's more likely the case is you're like, holy shit, I definitely can't do anything near that. So you need to either A, reduce your expenses. Actually, you probably need to do all of the above. You need to reduce your expenses, increase your income. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just A and B. Good answer, my friend. Yeah, I really don't think there's a whole lot more we can say on this. Um, yeah, that, I just put some numbers into that calculator. It's pretty cool. And I, I just want to say, like, we talk a lot about you know our businesses. We talk a lot about rental property. And um, I, I find it very interesting, and I know Thomas finds his business very interesting, and blah blah blah. But it's these two main levers that you can pull to to really oversimplify things. So that one lever of earn more money is perhaps you can't live in a place that's cheaper because you'll be too far from your family, whatever. You've gotten your expenses to the bone. So the mm-hmm. only way to retire quicker or even retire is to make more money. And so that's why we go maybe a little overboard on that stuff. But it is certainly important because, um, yeah. I mean, it's also what we're interested in. Yeah, that's true. So we're just naturally going to graduate or um, not graduate, gravitate to those topics. You know, we had this interview with Mr. Money Mustache and he's like the world champion on like living in Colorado and paying the least amount of money to live like ever, right? He pays like 25 or 28,000 a year and it covers all of his expenses. The guy's insane mm-hmm. and and awesome. He's super awesome. Yeah. But the thing is is like like to even get to that level is really tough, but there there's like an absolute minimum, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh so we tend to get excited about the other end of things is yeah. how much we could pull in by uh, not like working insane. I mean, we do work hard, but just like, I don't know, trying weird things like buying property in Atlanta. Yeah. Wait, you're, you have property in Atlanta? It's, it's, I mean the suburbs of Atlanta. Oh, it's Georgia. a suburb. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Con- Conyers. There's a dope speakeasy in Atlanta. But I can't say too much about it because otherwise it won't be a secret speakeasy. Mm. But it's pretty dope. I'm going to give you guys that lead. 
But yeah, if Andrew, if you and I are ever in Atlanta, we're going to go there. It's a pretty dope place. I'm going to write it off. Write off. That's a write off. That's that's in that's Matt's song. That's right. Write off. <laughs> what? No, he's got uh, what's it called? Uh, he's got like a rap song about being an online entrepreneur. Oh, hashtag hustle. That's what it oh, is. Oh yeah. There's just like a whole verse, just like <laughs> when I buy beer on the plane, that's a write off, <laughs> 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 or something like that. Anyway, pro.lessonmoneymatters.com. Plug it again. If you're interested in real estate investing, Andrew coded up an awesome tool for evaluating any kind of property you're looking at, seeing what the financials end up looking like on a bottom line perspective, which is important. So check that out. Um, you'll find lots of other cool stuff being built there in the future. And also, listmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find all of our favorite tools that are made by other people, ranging from books to you know budgeting tools to investment tools, all kinds of stuff that we have used and recommend for improving your life financially and otherwise. So check that out. And uh, I think that's all we got for this episode. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Later, man. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 